Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Welcome back to another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett, joined by not the other host of the Grave Talk Podcast, because both of those chumps are out because of their celebrations, their plans. So we are joined by two special guests today, returning guests, better guests, better hosts, if you will. Oh, well. We are joined by Alex. <laughs> two shows in a row, baby. <laughs> okay. Out the gate. And returning guest, longtime listener, big time fan, excellent co-host. Gray, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. You got anything to say to the listeners? Hello, listeners. Hope you're doing well. Are we getting real creepy with it? Oh, yeah. Gray, what have you been up to? Oh, you know. Grave talk. I was Shut your mouth. Dark. No. Oh, this man. is between Garrett and I, ma'am. <laughs> there are men speaking! I will see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the Grave Talk Podcast. Mark and John will be back next week, so we'll wish them a speedy recovery or a fun vacation, whatever they've got going on. But in the meantime, you're stuck with me. So suck it up and let's get through this next 45 minutes to an hour and 40 minutes, depending on how much we have to talk about this stuff. <laughs> like that very narrow time frame. Look, we like to keep have. it real tight here at the yeah. Grave Talk. Okay, so today we don't have a cold open, so screw it. We're going to jump right into it. Today we are talking about the 2021 slash 22, depending on when it was released because of pandemic bullshit, horror movie The Cursed. But before we jump into that, what have you guys been up to? Alex, you watched anything cool lately? Done anything horror related? Uh, I show enough did. So as y'all may have heard, uh, by the time this comes out, this will be old news probably, but Fred Ward tragically passed away the other day, uh, on Friday the 13th, I believe to honor Fred Ward's memory and to enjoy my all time favorite film series. I watched Tremors one and two yesterday, which are the two films in that series in which he appears. So, uh, one could say the best of the series. Yes. The I, new one is pretty good, though. It's not. I'm not going to lie. It's, they're not bad. I'm just saying, like, one and two really, they're, they're really the nailed the, the, the feel and the aesthetic of Tremors. Yeah. yeah, I definitely have some hot takes about the Tremors series, but um, Tremors one and two, definitely, definitely the best of the bunch there. So, uh, R.I.P.D. Fred Ward. Rest um, in power, my dude. Earl, God bless you. See Earl you on Bassett. the flip side. Earl Bassett. We all get Earl Bassett tattoos. I'm game for it. Oh, no, I was thinking really hard last night about how I really want a Kevin Bacon tattoo that just says, fuck you. And is it him in Hollow Man? (laughs) It's not even the right movie. (laughs) (laughs) It just says, fuck you, because he's invisible. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, boy. Like you frame it and there's nothing in there. I think that's brilliant. Good job. Do that. Saves money. Mm -hmm. Gets to the point. Matches genres. You don't risk a bad portrait tattoo. This is true. See, nothing but positives in this. Just paint it over with like whiteboard stuff. We can all draw our own Kevin Bacon on there. Every week you can draw your own fresh Kevin Bacon. (laughs) BYOB, bring your own bacon. (laughs) That's a porno starring Kevin Bacon that has not been made yet. (laughs) In the sequel, thick cut bacon. Oh boy. Oh boy. Gray, I'm I'm hesitant to ask at this point. What have you been up to? You watch anything cool? Uh, When saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness last night. Mm-hmm. Got thoughts on that. Uh, we, and then uh, I briefly avoided talking about it last yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. Question though. Yeah. Did you like the Raimi aspect of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. That was the best part. Because it's very Raimi. It is very Raimi. I appreciate all the little nods to his older flicks he threw in there. That was good. Overall, it's good. I liked it. It's worth a watch. I don't think it's quite as good as the first one, but yeah, whatever. Um, and then I watched Ty West's X recently. Oh, how was that? I'm really interested to see that. It's fun. If you want to uh, just see some 
kids get killed in a very horny fashion. It's great. I mean, that movie is just horniness at its murder. Peak. Pure <laughs> exploitation, basically. Pure. Yeah. Now, you, you had mentioned... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lift the veneer that okay. pull the curtain open. Okay, you, we we had briefly talked about this movie before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned there was a pretty uh, pretty good ending to it. It's a different ending. Would you say it 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 holds up with the feel of the film? Because a lot of times yeah. these movies they'll have like a, a, a tone, and then they'll do something at the end that kind of just sometimes just takes you completely away from that aspect. Uh, I mean, overall, I think it matches the tone of the rest of the movie. It does kind of throw you for a loop the very very end. It could potentially set up future sequels, maybe. But uh, it's got some good gore, some jumps that I was like, oh shit. Other than that, yeah, it's a fun movie. Shazam! Yeah, it's good. I think everybody should watch it. All right, cool. Give so that try. was Ty West X. X. And that's actually out on um, streaming services. Like yeah, you can you actually can, buy it yep. and rent it and stuff like that now. So yep, That's what I did. Or if you if you want, you can go to theaters. It's still there. If you there. really want to. Yep. So, all Garrett, right. what have you been watching yeah. lately? Oh, man, I've been watching the fucking clouds roll by, grass that sounds, grow. That sounds nice. Watching myself get older with every day, mm-hmm, one step mm-hmm. closer to death, the scariest horror of all times. No, um, I've watched a couple films. I uh, watched Werewolf, Werewolves Within. I uh, watched that recently as well. The uh, the werewolf comedy, horror comedy, if you will. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I watched it on, uh, I think it was HBO or Hulu. It was one of the two. But anyway, um, it was enjoyable. Uh, definitely in a werewolf mood lately. So I've been trying to you know watch some of the ones I'm behind on. And uh, I thought it was really fun. I thought the acting was really good. I thought the uh, the plot was pretty interesting for what it was. I, I kind of wish they would have done another pass on the script. I feel like there's a little bit more that could have been. Could not agree more. I feel like there was a, there was a, some great chemistry, some great story, you know, concepts there. But I feel like you know if they had just take another pass in the script, and sometimes you can over egg the pudding. So I understand mm-hmm. maybe why they didn't. But what over egg the pudding? It's a saying. <laughs> it's where you do too much. Where you you, you should have stopped. You should have pulled back. Like you shouldn't have. That's just gonna go into my you know lexicon diary right next. Look, to, miss, I'm always on Wikipedia. Look on that bobo. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I kind of think that they could have had a. A uh, Tucker and Dale um, extraordinary level they comedy horror. If they had just kind of maybe like you know punched up, you know maybe maybe have someone come to punch up some of the um, the moments. But I thought it was really enjoyable. I like what they did. I would love to see them do some more. The um, cast is fantastic. Yes, absolutely. I love the cast of that. Movie. Absolutely. And then just this movie. Other than that, just been um, working on some few other things. We got the Grave Talk stickers in. So we're we're moving closer to the merch stuff. We've got the uh, the horror charms. We have found a local uh, company to hopefully do the t-shirts for us, so that we don't have to rely on the the random, you know, print at Internet. someone's home and ship out to mm. someone's house. Again, quality control is one thing we're really concerned about. So uh, we are moving forward to that still. I know it seems like you know we're all going to be ninety six and finally get our grave talk shirts, but we have seven designs which are pretty awesome, pretty funny, and we are working on that right now. So. Stay tuned. Stick with us. Oh, also, we're going to have some site maintenance pretty soon. Our PHP needs to be updated in our site. Template is out of date. There's going to be a little bit of downtime on the uh, the website. So just if you see it go down for a little bit, that is scheduled. We are aware, but we're bringing it back better, able to grow. So gravetalk.com for all your Grave Talk needs. Maybe we'll put a guest host page up this time so we can put, um, you know, exploitive pictures of Gray and oh. uh, pictures of Alex editing Wikipedia. Listen, I have only ever edited one Wikipedia page, and it was to say something rude about a friend. 
<laughs> Do tell. Go on. I can't even remember what it was. And but it was rude, and I'm proud as hell of it. And then it got <laughs> deleted almost immediately, so... Well, damn it. But let's go ahead and get into today's episode, 2001-22's The Cursed. The Cursed. And I do not have a back of the box because we're not Mark. We half-ass it when he's not here, but I do have an IMDb description, so let me read that for you. In rural 19th century France... France. Okay, I didn't know where this movie took place the whole time. In rural 19th century France, a mysterious, possibly supernatural menace threatens a small village. John McBride, a pathologist, comes to town to investigate the danger and exercise some of its own demons in the process. Ooh! Boogans. <laughs> Spooky. So, so yes, that is a, a pretty good description. I don't think it's good as a back of the box. I wish we had a back of the box, but... Um, I'm trying to find one, and I'm struggling. But we're not going to do one, Mark's here. That's sacred. Mark is a back-of-the-box guy. John did it last week. John had permission. <laughs> he, had, he had a permission slip. Oh, okay. This movie was directed by Sean Ellis, written by Sean Ellis, and one of my big notes that keeps recurring through all of my notes about this film is, goddamn, the cinematography in this movie is absolutely mind-blowing. Oh, cinematographer, Sean Ellis. This dude... Sean Ellis guy. Did He's got it a lot of... A powerhouse. Yeah, I, shout out to Sean Ellis, man. He, he made this his own. But it's directed by Sean Ellis, written by Sean Ellis. It stars Boyd... Sean Hol Ellis? <laughs> I don't know. I'll check. It stars Boyd Holbrook as John McBride. Kelly Riley as Isabel Laurent, Alistair Petrie as Seamus Laurent, Roxanne Duran as Abraxas. No, Ooh, Roxanne Duran has a great ring to it. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a good eighties hair metal song name. written about her. Somewhere. Hell yeah, she does, or she's about to. Mm -hmm. Nigel Butt, no Nigel Betts. Nigel Butt. <laughs> I, look, my eyes are tired. <laughs> Nigel Betts is Alfred Moliere. And then a bunch of other people who also were in this. Max McIntosh, it was Edward. I'll point him out because he was pretty big in it. But um, yeah, pretty good. Um, I want to say fairly unknown cast. I, I never heard of or seen, remember seeing any of these folks. The father's the only one that I recognize, but only as like a random character in other movies. Yeah, I've yeah. seen him in a few odds and ends. He was in Cloud Atlas. He was in Rogue One. He was in The Bank Jobs. Rogue so. yeah, One's probably Rogue where I'm remembering One. him from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, a few odds and ends there. But yeah, Boyd Holbrook, don't think I'd ever heard of him before. Kelly Riley, um, she was in uh, Sherlock Holmes with... Um, I think she's the guy Ritchie ones. Yes. Okay, all right. She's either in Ozark or Yellowstone. One of those Well, two. according to Wikipedia, she's in Yellowstone. <laughs> okay, mm. thank you, Wikipedia. This episode of the Rear Top Podcast brought to you by Wikipedia. On behalf of Wikipedia, you're welcome. <laughs> Donate $2. Keep them up and running. So this movie opened, opening weekend, um, it grossed uh, 1700000 Really? Total gross, 4588000 worldwide, 588 I mean, honestly, it, it's, it definitely had production value. So it, it definitely cost a pretty penny. But... I don't think it costs that much because, again, a bunch of um, lesser known actors, um, not a bunch of, you know, dramatic. I mean, the the visual effects for the creatures, um, the gore effects. But other than that, I mean, stuff you can get out of the warehouse for costuming and yeah. things like that. I mean, the costumes look fantastic also. But I 
cannot estimate the budget of a movie to save my life. But I suspect this was not a super high budget movie, but they really did make a lot out of the budget they had. This movie definitely was one of those those films that got advertised and then really suffered because of the pandemic release stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got pushed. It got kind of like buried under advertisement. I know they started advertising this again when theaters were first starting to open up. So all the big ones that were like, kind of like being like pumped out were like really hitting the marketing, you know, like, Oh my God, you can go back to theaters and see Marvel, you know, like you gotta go see black widow. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, no, we're good. Um, (laughs) sorry. not a huge fan of black widow, but anyway, we're not here to talk about the MCU. That's another podcast. Gray, you interested? Let's go. Let's do this. Let's do it. All right. So the critics, I believe this is sitting at 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if that's with critics or if that's with audience. It is with critics. Really? Okay, hit me with the numbers, somebody. With audience, it's sitting at 55. Critics, you are correct, 74. What would you give it? I'd say a solid B-. minus. I thought it was pretty good, but I don't know that I'm going to rewatch it a bunch of times. Really? Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I guess I'll jump in here and just throw this right out so you can, you can okay. bring it back down to reality. I would say this is damn near close to a perfect horror flick. What? I loved this fucking movie. Now, okay. and let, me, let me channel my inner John here. Yeah. It was a bit long. It's an hour and 51 <laughs> minutes, but I did yeah. not feel it drug. There's a few points where we can like the stuff with the mom, like honestly, the whole like I'm really just struggling with my kid being gone again. We didn't focus enough on that to really make it like worth any kind of payoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could have had the same exact thing happen at the end that happened without that buildup and we would have been just as fine and totally been on board with it. So I feel like there's maybe like 10 minutes they could have cut out of this flick. But I loved this movie. It's fucking it, it bangs. Interesting. Well, I would give this about a 60. Really? Really? Okay. Um, I appreciate what they were going for. And when you mentioned that it took place in France, that kind of makes more sense now since it's playing off the Lugerou whole idea and everything. But as we get into more of the discussion of it, I'll throw in why I was like, hmm, okay. I, I guess I'm going to be the outlier here. I would put this in the the mid, mid to high A's and it just hit everything I needed it. The dream sequences, scary as fuck. Really? Oh my God, dude. Yes. Like I, I I didn't think so. I turned on lights. I closed my door. So it just, I didn't have an open door in the room. I was sitting in watching this movie. (laughs) Like, yo, these dream sequences, while all very, very simple, fucking visceral. Like they hit me on a level. Like this movie just hits me on a level that I was like, okay. This, wow. this is working for me. That's I think cool. for me, one of the, my big complaints with this movie is I didn't find any of the characters particularly memorable. That was one of my things. I thought they were all fairly generic and not that they were poorly acted in any way, but I just didn't find the, the characters particularly any of them to stand out in any particular way. Well, they tried to do that with John McBride, our main character, um, the the pathologist, and we'll get mm-hmm. more into his story. But like, they have the whole like, my kid and wife died, and the moment that popped up in the movie, and I was like, done. I was wah, like, we wah. we don't need this anymore. Like, I, I have a note that's like, can we not just have one emotionally and mentally well balanced main character in a fucking movie? <laughs> that's too much to ask, sir. Because like, you know what? This did nothing to me except like, as like, is this preventing him from doing his job properly? Why even introduce it? Yeah, I mean, you could have basically they, shown the 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 nightmares the dreams and just said oh yeah they're, they're passed away without making it seem like I'm still you know like 
it didn't pay off. And not to skip too far ahead, it pays off a little, but I don't think it's worth it because, I mean, toward the end, you know, it kind of wraps up a little bit in the conclusion of the movie and it fleshes out his overall motivation. But I think it's kind of too little too late and it doesn't add a lot to the movie. That's kind of how mm-hmm. I feel about it. It's it's definitely it's written well enough to where it's like they didn't leave a loose end, but I it also didn't do anything to endear you to that character anymore. It's like when like they make a female character lose a baby or, you know, like a, a character is like, I've got to get a military character. Like, I got to get home to my family. It's yeah. like, dude, we don't give a shit anymore. It felt very on rails to me. In lieu of those, you know, driving plot devices, I think I would just prefer a five second fart sound. <laughs> oh, somebody stepping a duck. <laughs> I mean, really, just any, like, woman loses baby, man loses wife and or child, um, woman is raped. <sighs> oh, that was not an appropriate sound well, that, for that. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, the, the, I, I agree with you. Those definitely have been used. I don't want to say incorrectly, but they've been used so cheaply and yeah, poorly they're for used so really long cheaply. that yeah. at this point, they, they really don't serve enough. Now, the raping thing, I think, still is very visceral, mm-hmm. but there is a way to do it that does not make it a cheap plot device to motivate a character. And we also do not need to see graphic visuals of it. I mean, yeah, no Ichi the killer level scenes. There's a way to do it that is almost never done. And sorry for making this conversation about rape because it has nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> trigger warning for everyone out there but yeah we're going so i guess we should put that at the beginning yeah. oh we're bad at this no I, I hear you and i mean that's what i kind of thought about his his character arc of you know like my family died and i'm still struggling with it it was just like okay cool what is what are we going to do with that does that prevent him from doing what he does no 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 it's just a thing that happened and the way they presented it he just presented it as a so this happened to me it's kind of motivating me to kind of be better about this okay cool but he's like i struggle with this and it's like you haven't struggled (laughs) until now and i feel like if they had maybe revealed the way that past trauma relates to his motivation a little earlier in the film rather than waiting for the very end, it might have worked a little better. Maybe. You know, it's like it doesn't need to really be a twist, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was just stereotypical, like your Van Helsing sort of character who comes yep. in, saves the day, fucks off. Yeah, real sad soy boy Van Helsing. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. How dare you talk about John McBride that way? <laughs> Anyway, I, I was really excited when this base when I found he was a pathologist and I was like, are we getting a fucking werewolf forensic files? Because I'm in um, it was it was along the lines, but not quite. But uh, let's go ahead and get back into this real quick. I have a question I have and an this answer. is a personal preference, but I, I do wonder, do you feel that vampire or we'll say vampire movies, vampire movies, werewolf movies work better in old timey settings like the 1800s and earlier or more modern settings? Because this movie definitely takes Ooh. place in the the 1800s. I want to say mid 1800s in France, evidently, which was not made clear enough for me other than some of the, the names they tossed around. But again, I figure like, you know, we had some fancy ass names yeah. in the, the U.S. at the beginning. I feel like it, it can go either way. Personally, I think my my personal preference lies more toward a uh, modern-ish era werewolf and vampire movies. Because, like, in terms of werewolf movies, an American werewolf in London is, like, gold standard werewolf movie. It's Agreed. so good. Um, and that takes place in, what, like, the 70s or 80s? Um, 80s, I think. Yeah, yeah, early 80s. 
And then in terms of vampire movies, yeah, I feel like I, I tend to like a modern vampire movie as well, even though I do have a soft spot, especially for like the Christopher Lee Hammer Dracula mm. movies are so good. But I, Blackula, I, you know, the classics. Blackula. I don't know which I would prefer, honestly. They definitely I mean, work per script, you know. It, like, yeah, it really does come down to that. When this movie first opened up, and because again, I went in this movie kind of blind. I mean, knowing that yeah. it was supposed to be werewolf esque, and I was like, okay, cool, I'm in. I, mean, I haven't had a good werewolf flick in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like 1800s, and I was like, hmm, because I do find a bit of a disconnect with that because of the limitations of society, mm-hmm. um, you know, what they have available to them, you know, like how the, the lifestyle of a lot of these places during that time, there's only so much that can happen that can be, I don't want to say exciting, but unique. And I think we've seen it before. So whenever yeah. I see old timey settings like that, I always kind of get a little bit like worried. I'm like, Oh no, this could be extremely fucking boring. I think with Dracula and vampire movies, I think I like the one set in the past a little bit more. It just has that kind of more Gothic romance feeling to which is kind of where Dracula sits in my mind. And then for werewolves, you know, you said American werewolf in London is gold standard. Like that and dog soldiers, I think, are the two best werewolf movies out there. Really? Maybe Ginger Snaps. Uh, well, okay. Ginger Snaps has got its moments, but it, it, oof, yeah. it's, it's a long one. <laughs> Speaking of long movies that could have been cut down way, way. Yeah, that's shorter. true. I haven't seen them in years. It's a slog when but, you go back. And I never watched the sequels. I only saw the original. But uh, they were all good. And Ginger Snaps too. Aw, snap. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think werewolves work better in this time period. Vampire movies, except for Blade and Blade Trinity, all the Blade movies are great, work best in the past. Interesting. Okay. But then Underworld, that has both. And that's in the... Yeah, I mean... Twilight? I, Hello? I, feel, I do Jesus. feel like vampires work better older, just because the, the fear of that kind of person yes. it seems like much more impactful. Like, he he what? Yeah. He, he drinks blood? He seduces women? How dare he? We have to put a stop to this. Mm-hmm. You know, when vampires, you know, it's like... That could be a scary concept back then. I feel like more modern stuff, though, the idea that vampires, like, that could be Elon Musk for all we fucking know. Yeah. Like, I, it could be any rich bastard who can afford this lifestyle. Vampire sucking I the do life from me. like properties that explore just kind of the low-key lives of vampires. I mean, like, okay, what what we do in the shadows, I know it is a comedy, but honestly, I think it's a really fun and one of the best damn shows ever. It's a great exploration of like, okay, what would a vampire's life actually look like now? What if they're stupid and bisexual? And then, Oh gosh, like what's that one? Only lovers left alive. No, the the one with uh, like David Bowie in it. Oh, um, not the brood. The hunger. Yes, yeah. that's it. That's it. Hunger. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of like really cool movies like that. Um, have you seen Only Lovers Left Alive? Uh, no, I have not. Who's the, in that? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton and Loki. Um, I can't remember his name. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, and um, it's a Jim Jarmusch film, and it's it's long and it's slow, but it's really good, and it is just about like these people who have been along for alive forever, and there's the mundane lifestyles they live in Detroit and it's like some events happen that kind of you know rock that but it really is just like this like mind-numbing of what it's like to be mind-numbingly existing in this lifestyle at this point for this long you you would really probably dig it yeah that Mm. definitely sounds up my alley I'll check it out I didn't like 
that last Jim Jarmusch movie, though. Only the Dead Die. Yeah, die. yeah, that's it. Oh, uh, we we should talk about it on a mini or something like that because I have thoughts. I anyway, it had me until the end. Let's get back to the curse. All right, let's okay. Do it. So anyway, I just was curious about that because I personally, like I said, you know, when it comes to werewolves, I feel like they work in any time because it's the idea of them is scary. No matter yes. where they are, it's like a giant monster that is just like bloodthirsty, ravaging. Time, place, don't matter. That's a threat. Vampires, I'm always kind of like, eh. You know, like the way they're predicted oftentimes, you know, Blade kind of takes it out of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just kind of like, okay, big deal. BFD, let them do their thing, you know? Yeah. Werewolves are forever. You know what? That's our, our catchphrase for this episode. Okay. Werewolves forever. So anyway, back to the cursed. It's 1800. Uh, I thought this was World War One. Well, it does start it in World War I. It starts in World War I. Okay, yes. And then we go back in time. Yes. And a, a gentleman is uh, they're in the trenches. Mustard gas happens. A soldier and a gentleman. <laughs> Starring Kevin Bacon and Burt Ward. Oh, I'd watch that. Man, flick. that'd be a yeah. hell of a flick. Let's just switch it up. Make Why it you got to dangle these things in front of me that will never come to fruition? Look, we've got Tupac hologram energy. We can we, we can make anything Fred happen. Ward. My God. Someone got the Ward of State on the line. Well, it's too soon. Anyway, back to the cursed. Wow, we're going to talk about this movie, I promise, listeners. So <laughs> Maybe. Anyway. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is World War One, And uh, they run out of the trenches, and they're getting shot by this uh, machine gun, this German machine gun. Mm -hmm. One of the characters gets taken into the uh, emergency tent. Field hospital. Yes. And they're taking some bullets out of them. People getting limbs cut off. Oh. Hacksaw. Right out the gate, we've got hardcore gore. Yeah. And that you know. was done very well. Yeah, and those bullet wounds, like just gushing blood, like it looked really real. Yeah, it I was. I did appreciate that. And then there was like, we're going in to pull the bullets out, hold them down. I was like, yep. oh boy. I'm surprised so, they didn't give him like a bit or something to put in his. Well, mouth. he's an officer. Oh. And, you know, the thing is, is we also see this dude's name tag. Um, we know the last name, but we don't know his first name. Well, he starts reciting this kind of nursery rhyme. And you find out later it's the same nursery rhyme they're using when they're jump rope. Like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Kind of like that Just thing. like that. He's saying this. And I'm like, what's he doing? He's singing a, a nursery rhyme. They pull the third bullet out, and it's a giant silver bullet. It looks very well, different like from the other a, bullets. Yeah, yeah, it is two inches of solid yeah. silver versus these little rounds. He's and they actually in. find four bullets because he has three bullet holes in him, but they find four bullets. Oh, I thought the third one, he said it's shattered. I have to go back in. No, he's like, there's something else in here. Oh, OK. Never mind. <laughs> something just clicked for me. God, I didn't put that together. Because I was sitting there waiting for this scene to come back around. It came back around in the fact that I was like, oh, that's such and such character. Oh, okay. So that happened. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Long live the king. You know, like, and I was just like, <laughs> all right. But um, no, that actually is really cool. That even makes that even a, a cooler concept. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, they pull out four bullets. How convenient to get shot in the same place twice, right? That's so amazing. They're just, the human body is a mystery. Things just move around inside of us. Bullets tend to congregate in the same part of the human body if they've been in there long enough. Yeah, that's what happens uh, because your internal organs are kind of like existing in a weird vortex. So all the bullets get pulled to the same the same area. That's just gravity. Gravity. Starring Sandra Bullocks. <laughs> and George Clooney for... 44 seconds Science. and a terrible mustache. <laughs> oh, Clooney. Anyway, so yeah, so this dude dies at this point. They pull the bullets out and uh, boom, but he passes away singing this thing. And he sings seven for silver as he kicks the bucket. And then we for silver a number for silver Something for silver. <laughs> and um, then we cut back 35 years previously. And we are in, I guess, like a colonial town or I thought it was a colonial town, but like it's in France, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just a, okay. a, a, French a French town. Yeah, yeah. we go. We basically go to a, a, a secret meeting 
where there's mm-hmm. a bunch of old men talking like, what are we going to do about this? You know, we've got to get this property and yada, 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 yada. We find out that there are now I'm going to say it once just to basically get it out of the way so people aren't confused. But we're going to change what we call this later on just because it is the term is now, uh, you know, rather offensive to some people. So um, there's a, a band of gypsies is what they call them in the movie um, that have lived on this land or have like come to this land. I don't know the difference. Well, we have this Romani clan who the village elders in their secret meeting do say, oh, no, they do have a legitimate claim to this land, potentially. From like 80 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but because they are, you know, a broadly nomadic people, they have like recently returned to this area to lay claim to the land that they believe and apparently legally do have a claim to. Yeah. And the and the priest basically says, but there's nothing we can't change that, that would be noticed by anybody. Yeah. What so a they're, shady ass priest. They're ready to basically be like, this ass is our priest. shit. We got it. Whatever it takes. And um, they're like, well, have you tried to negotiate? Our main our main father character, Seamus, is like, well, we haven't tried to negotiate. Have we tried to like, oh, we've given them a, we try to give them a substantial amount. They just don't want it. And I was confused on this because I was also the, the impression these were nomadic people. And I was like, can you just lay claim and come back 80 years later? Or how does this work? But anyway, long story short, they're like, that didn't work. So I got an idea, but this has got to stay hush hush. Um, and the kids are sneaking around the house and they kind of overhear part of this conversation. And then the mother comes out and is like, guys, go to bed. And then she hears the end of it, which mm-hmm. is going to come back later. Um, but they're like, what if we hire mercenaries? I often found the stick is a powerful motivator and it doesn't take much to get people to follow once we kind of threaten them. Um, so bada bing, bada boom. That's what we do. They go a little beyond threatening and brutally slaughter this group of people. And this scene is very interesting because we, we see this, you know, band of rabble come over the, the hilltop and they kind of look down on this small and I'm saying small, like maybe like five, six, five, tenths. six tenths, maybe yeah, yeah. a couple, couple wagons. Yeah. They go down there and we're seeing this from up on top of the hill. We're seeing this from Seamus's point of view because he doesn't go down there with him. He's kind of watching this happen. He's not going to get his hands dirty. Come mm, on. Yeah. Seamus Laurent. Hell no. <laughs> um, so we're watching this from his perspective and we're kind of seeing it play out and then fall apart in real time. And it does. It just goes tits up right away. Um, they shoot one of the dudes one of the elders, which lets me know it's an elder because subtitles told me it was. And then, subtitles. and then they just burn chaos rain, everything and then kill. And that's it. But um, as this is right before this happens, though, while the elders are planning this, the uh, Romanis are preparing like the the old woman is just like, you know, there's a storm coming. We've weathered it before. We can do it again. Let's get get it going. And they melt down silver. Yes. Yes. They have which we'll get into later, this box of silver. And they give a couple coins to the the patriarch of the group. The witcher, if you will. The witcher. And uh, he melts it down, and he ends up making teeth out of it, and he puts it in this... Like plaster jaw thing. Well, he, Some badass fang dentures. It's yeah. a, it's an actual like like he pulls a jawbone off a skull. Oh, that's yeah. Right. He, he pulls a jawbone off a skull and I then said. like basically like makes these. Now that they use all the silver, or was it only some of it? Only some of it. It comes back later. Okay. So um, and he makes these giant 
teeth. Like he makes werewolf teeth and puts them in a uh, a jawbone of a skull. And so you've got werewolf teeth. And there's like I want to say runes. They're not runes. They're some kind of symbol. I guess that's the currency I mean, for lack of, of a better term. I think runes I think might runes be appropriate. Works. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't tell if it was like the sign for a shekel or you know because in the Bible like the the coins yeah. are like shekels is what you know Judas got. So I didn't know if that was like the shekel symbol or not. I didn't know if they had a symbol for their currency back then. But regardless, these teeth are like silver teeth set in a jawbone with like these cool rune looking things all over them. I was like, yo, this is rad. Like out the gate, that was a cool prop. I was yes. like, yo, and they're like, we've used these, you know, like we. We've weathered the storm before. We've protected them. They protected us. And at this point, I was like, holy crap. There's a pact with the werewolves. Like, I'm in for this. <laughs> um, and then that's then we cut to the scene where the uh, the mercenaries come and just basically just destroy the, the camp. And as they're destroying the camp and everyone's kind of, you know, they're celebrating. They took a picture to celebrate them slaughtering all these people. Gross. As one does. You know, classic colonialism. Yep. And um, I mean, it's not really colonialism when it's your own country. Um, I think I would call this more like feudalism, even though we're in a post feudalism world at this point, I think. What does Wikipedia say? No, I'm just kidding. Wikipedia probably says you're right. So let's not check Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right. Wikipedia's got my back on like the rest of the people in this room. Take that, Sean Tobias. I don't remember who does Wikipedia. Jimmy Wales. There we go. Jimmy Wales. Sean Tobias was close. <laughs> the, the ballad of Jimmy Wales. <laughs> um, so anyway, they are killing these people, shoving them in uh, shallow graves. But the two main leaders... Uh, the people who were messing with the the werewolf teeth and melting them down and making silver teeth out of them get pulled up to, I guess, the leader of this, you know, the colonizers. They, yeah, they like ran away and escaped for a little bit. Yeah, we have yeah. a man and a woman. And uh, it's the same people who were messing with the teeth earlier. Yeah. yeah like, we got to right. handle this. And with the the man, let me make sure I got this right. They like chop off a hand and a foot and like set him up like a scarecrow in the middle of the yeah, field. Basically. They chop off both of his we, hands and feet. Yes. Oh, OK. Oh, they they scarecrow the fuck out of this yeah. guy. And then uh, the woman they bury at the base of their scarecrow contraption along with her uh, cast silver teeth. Yes. She's buried alive. Yeah, she's buried alive. And she's she's an important distinction. That is, <laughs> She is chanting a curse of some kind as she's being buried alive. And it's kind of muffled. This movie does a really good job of showing and telling mm-hmm. and also distancing yourself from some of the, the scenes, like yes. the way some of the gore happens and some of the, um, the, the kill scenes. They use some very interesting um, like filmmaking techniques to kind of like almost pull you a little bit away, but also make you feel like you're a little bit distant, like you don't understand what's going on, which adds to more of the mystique of some of the stuff that happens, like the kills from the werewolf uh, when she's chanting that curse, getting buried alive. You're kind of like, wait, what is going on here? And I thought that was really cool how the movie did that in a way that, you know, just didn't make you feel too comfortable. Like, oh, I know what's going on here. Like, you're like, wait, what What the shit's this? And the movie did a good job of kind of making you feel that through its visual aspect as well. This dude is huge, too. The guy they scarecrow. Yeah, he's, he, he's a large a man. man. And they, uh, they, yeah, as you said, they cut off his arm, his hands and feet. And they do they a, a very good job whew, of doing this. They like, show it. And it's no holds barred. Oof. And then they stuff the sleeves and the pants legs with straw. They throw a, a mask over, over his head. Him, yeah. And then they essentially crucify him and yep. grow him. Yeah. And he's still alive. He just dies up on this yeah. thing. So be a shitty way to go. <laughs> God. Yeah. I can't even imagine that at this point. I don't know if it's years or how long has passed. They never told, told it's kind us. Kind of an indeterminate they? amount of time. Um, long enough for the bodies to start decomposing yeah. and I stuff mean, like probably that. Probably a month. Let's say a month. Sure. 
we cut to a new scene, which is basically at the, the Prancing Pony, where the uh-huh. hobbits are having a drink. Uh, no, it's actually in town somewhere. And a gentleman with a top hat rides up on a horse, comes in. It's late at night. He just straight up walks in. And he's like, hey, have you heard about the Romani people? Is there any news about them around here? And they're like, okay, hold on, bro. First, you got to sign in. You got to state your where you're from, yeah, where you're going, and your business. Which I thought was like, I was like, well, that's a little invasive. But I was like, I guess they have reasons for doing that. I think it was because the cholera. Yeah, they're the country's undergoing a cholera happening. outbreak. Oh, gotcha. And so they're just trying to track people. So you know, contact you know, tracing, contact tracing. Yeah, almost like it's a good idea to do almost. that. Oh boy. Can I just say? I would really love to stay at an inn like this because oh, they specified yeah. that food and booze are included Fuck in the price yeah. of the room. That's just a good That's deal, amazing. y'all. But it's probably shitty food and booze. They probably had using the I same mean, stew for like two days. Man, That's just added that flavor. That just lets the flavor meld together. Yeah. This is why they have a cholera outbreak, you guys. I'm going to stick with my isn't Diddy's Grand Slam. Well, I guess cholera is a poop disease, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely it, um, follows the fecal oral route of yeah. disease transmission. I mean, Were you looking this up on Wikipedia? No, I just know that. Wow. Okay. Well, I feel dumb now. So, yeah, I guess maybe bad pub food could have possibly. Okay, but, but I doubt but booze it. Is, do we really, do we really want to go around this, this route? Oh, should we talk about the curse? Booze is usually fine <laughs> because it's been boiled during the brewing process. And it's fermented. And it's fermented. And you know that stew's been bubbling over a fire all day. Yeah. That'll kill the you know, You've got yeah. the most disgruntled. Poor people in the back of that kitchen working. You know, they don't care. They, they walk by every two hours and give it a stir and be like, yeah, whatever. I'm not eating this shit. Anyway. More for me. <laughs> so anyway, this dude shows up and we find out this is John McBride, our main character. Van Helsing. Our, our pathologist. And he lists he lists pathologists. And at first I was like, pathologist? Isn't that someone who tells us someone like lies? And that was not what it was. No, it is not. I know. <laughs> I love that, though. <laughs> so uh, I was like, oh, he's like a lawyer or something. He's going to find out. He's, he's investigating something. But no, I was way off. And then I was like, oh, yeah, pathogens. And then I was like, oh, OK, wait, it all makes sense. The English language is fucked from start to finish. Uh, yeah. Well, he gets, sits down to eat some of his old gross stew that's going to give him cholera. And If uh, the pathologist is eating it, he, it's good enough for uh, me. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's fair. He did not have the squirts one time this movie. That we know of. And then the cop shows up, or a lieutenant shows up of this, uh, this town. Oh, yeah, that guy. And he's like, you know, like, hey... I heard what you're doing here. And he's like, yeah, I came from Javo or Jevra. And um, anyway, our French is terrible. Don't worry about it. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so ner- news of this place has spread. Like they know what happened in Javro. And um, I'm just going to call it that. If I'm saying it wrong, listeners, correct me on the social medias. And um, so everyone knows about the story, but we don't as the audience. So we're still trying to figure it out. So he's there to basically like investigate um, <clears throat> what may or may have happened to these Romani people at this negotiation event that uh, may have gone down previously. And then while he's there, you know, living in the, the hotel, we cut back to our next scene, which is a bunch of kids jumping rope. Living in the hotel is very generous. Well, you know, he's in the the prance and pony. OK, he's looking for uh, they may look like children to you and I. Fool of a took. We cut back to our new scene, which is the kids jumping ropes. And one of the kids just stops and he's like, yo, I know what went down. Y'all want to see it? I know where the spooky ass scarecrow is. You guys want to see a dead body? Pretty much. Do you guys want to see a dead body? (laughs) And the kids have been having nightmares. And right now they've been very kind of like these kids are having nightmares about walking up to the scarecrow, Mm -hmm. seeing a lady in the field. 
seeing the scarecrow move, like just really creepy shit. And I thought this was really happening the first time we saw it in the movie. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, that first time we saw the scarecrow, like turn his head back. Mm-hmm. That was the one time in the movie where I was like, oh, that's the oh, only damn. time. That's the only time. Oh, my God. OK, well, we're going to talk about some more of these dreams later yes. on. But um, so these kids are having to share a dream. And I was like, okay, we got some Nightmare on Elm Street stuff here. Uh I'm cool with this. And then one kid's like, yo, you guys want to see where it is? And they all kind of know what he's talking about. And they go and they check it out. And he's like, okay, you can't tell anybody because they will literally oust my family from the colony. Yeah, they like make an oath together to not discuss this with any adults in the village. Yes. And I I think the adults also have the same agreement. (laughs) of like, we don't speak of this because most of the, the parents are involved in like this decision that happened. But they walk up to the scarecrow. And everyone's kind of like, okay, we know what this is. This is not good. And then they dare one of the kids to dig up the gift underneath the ground. And they open the box and it's the silver werewolf teeth. That's a teeth. It does seem appropriate that the German word for poison is gift. Is it really? Yeah. Good to know. All right. Thank you, Jack Tremaine of Wikipedia. I don't remember the guy's name. Jimmy Wales. Jimmy Wales. Okay, I'll get it eventually. You're closer. (laughs) Jiminy Wiminy. (laughs) Timmy. Uh, who was the, the the one who showed him this place to start with? They're like, "Why don't you do it?" And he's like, "Okay." He pulls out the teeth and then he shoves them in his mouth. Why? Like, why would anybody do that? Because well, they're cursed. Well, that's the thing is he is cursed. Like, remember yeah, he's like, "I don't true. remember doing." He's like, "I remember pulling the box up, and that's the last thing I remember. I remember waking up in the field." What a dummy. so the curse kicks in. The the Romani lady like she did her job right because this place is cursed, and we find out later on just to spoil some shit. Um, the curse is, you know, like, cool, you fuck with us. We're going to kill until enough bloodshed is bled from your family and stuff like that. Um, you know, you're going to be cursed. Yeah. You just shot one apple pie time. that knows how to shit back. Yeah. And I actually have a lot of questions <laughs> about the, this curse of, you know, once the, the werewolves have killed enough, do they go away? I don't think so. Or is it just like, hey, our jobs here is uh, there's enough bloodshed. We'll call it even at this point. And then say la vie, let it be what it be. Man, I, I think they would have gone on forever. I was kind of hoping for a massive infestation of werewolves based off how this was going. So Timmy puts these teeth in and he's under the, the hypnosis and he just bites the fuck out of Edward's neck. Yes. Just digs into it. That was a cool shot. Like you see kind of some of the goopy skin get ripped apart and stuff. That was that was fun. The gore in this is intense. It is. This movie does not shy away when it shows it, but um, it also shows it very quick. We don't get a Mm -hmm. lot of like lingering uh, gore stuff, which I think it makes it more impactful. How do you think Timmy's mouth tasted the next day after having those fangs in there and a mouthful of child blood? Probably pretty gross. I probably need to pretty sure after you've been cursed by werewolf teeth you you're not really worried about what your mouth tastes like you're a little more concerned with like did i bite the shit out of eddie <laughs> man uh, there's a related curse of bad breath he just went to the local pub oh, and got some it. stew and washed it all out that could be so, <laughs> well you know that stew. stew is half child blood anyway yum and um so he bites it to edward they all run back to their houses as kids do like oh god he's hurt run <laughs> you know charlotte the sister of edward uh, runs back in and she's like, you guys, oh my God, it's terrible. You'll never believe it. You know, like she doesn't tell him what happened, but Eddie has been attacked by something. And so they bring him back home, Seamus and uh, one of the other people bring him back home, put him in the bed and um, he is panting and breathing and struggling, which I guess you would if your side neck had been ripped wide open. Yeah, your side neck. Well, you know, like the little tendon part where your tendon meets your neck and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's talking to the mic as I say this. Um, <laughs> they turn my head and talk away from the mic. Quality professional podcasting. 
So he is uh, mad struggling at this point. Uh, this is where we get our second major um, nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, because Charlotte, they're like, like, okay, we'll let him sleep. We gave him some medicine for the fever. We'll let him chill for you know a day or two, and I'll come back and check on him. The doctor says that. And then Charlotte and them go to bed, and Charlotte has a nightmare now. She is standing in the field. It's all very similar. They all kind of have like kind of a similar dream, but they all kind of like twist at the end. Mm-hmm. This is when she looks over and sees the lady, the lady. in the field okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. hovering with her feet, barely dragging on the ground. And it's the, uh, the Romani woman who got killed and buried alive. And she just like super ghost like shoots up at her and like kind of like then she's gone. And then she turns around and screams in her face. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and this is all sounds very standard horror trope. But the way this movie does it is very well done. It almost feels unique. Like this, I think it's just because the sets and the way everything looked, I felt like I was in this location, like the way this movie is shot. Like I never was like, you know, like sometimes like things are filmed in places like, you know, like movies that take place in India. I can just never relate. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel like I know what's going on here. I don't feel like I'm comfortable here. Like it just doesn't feel natural to me. Like the way this movie shot, I felt like I was immersed in this colony right away. Interesting. Kind of like the new Batman, the Batman movie. Like I actually felt like I was in Gotham for one of the first times in a long time. Yes. I'll agree with that. One positive thing about the new Batman. Like so often movies kind of make me feel like I just can't understand where I am and get into it. Mm -hmm. This movie did a good job of that. So when she's, they're having these dreams, they felt very real. Like they could happen wherever I was. You're also a very vivid dreamer, too, not to, like, peek behind the curtain too much, but we talk about our dreams a lot, and, like, you tend to have really vivid, memorable dreams. I do. That's interesting, because I never remember my dreams. Really? Never. Maybe, maybe once a month. Huh. And so that's why dream sequences, to me, maybe this is part of it, where it's just kind of like, okay. I think we've uncovered a lot about ourselves today. Yeah. So we have that dream and Charlotte wakes up, you know, kind of like, holy shit. And it's like, I'm gonna go check on Eddie. And uh, she goes in the room dun, dun, dun. and she pulls back the, the covers where Edward is. And then we see these vines start like growing over Eddie. Like they look like 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 flesh vines. That that was a weird thing that we'll come back to. So this was I was like, I was like, oh, shit, maybe this isn't a werewolf movie at all. Like when I first saw that's, this, I was like, "That's what I thought. Maybe it's a pod person movie. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it kind of has some pod person aspects to it. Maybe it's Groot's origin story. Oh God, that'd be great. Um, so she sees that she screams. She goes and gets her parents. She's like, "You got to come quick. Edward's hurt. You know, some shit's going down. They run in there. Shit's getting real, y'all. And Edward's gone. He's gone. The windows open. He Fly is by night." <laughs> I also would have gone for Run Through the Hill or Run uh, to the Hills by yeah, Iron Maiden. Well. But uh, Fly By Night by Rush is also good. Wait, that's Rush, right? It is. Yeah. Rush. Okay, thank Away God. from here. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so he's gone. So we cut to the next day where they, there's a whole search party out there looking for Edward. And like, it's like the whole colony is out there like, Edward, 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 Mike, Edward. What? <laughs> <laughs> Say Edward, damn it. Edward. There you go. Like Charlotte's kind of out just walking around and this is where she runs into Timmy and mm-hmm. she sees Timmy that she goes to church to pray for Edward who's missing and Timmy the guy who bit Edward is like um, like he's like over here and they go into the confessional. He's like I don't remember shit. He's like I remember picking up the box. I remember seeing the teeth and then I remember waking up in the field and he's like did you tell anybody she's like no we haven't said anything which kudos to those kids man they can keep a secret. Yeah that that would not happen. Yeah, and it's just kind of like the real world. And then he then he takes out the Bible and he starts reading a passage from, I guess, Ezekiel 
mm-hmm. um, where he's talking about like the 30 pieces, like how much would it cost for you to like betray Jesus? And he's like 30 pieces of silver. And he's like, this is important. You're going to need this rips that page out of the Bible. And based off this discussion, we start to get the inclination that this movie's hinting that maybe these 30 pieces of silver are related to this curse because at the beginning, the Romanis have a bag of, I would say almost 30 pieces of silver. Yep. And then they melt some of it down. But I'm like, yo, is that Judas's silver? I thought they said it pretty explicitly. In I this think, scene, yeah, I think that's that he, what it was supposed to be. Timmy's running theory is that the fangs were cast out of those 30 pieces of silver. Well, I thought, I know that's what he thought, but like, are we to actually think that as I, viewers? As a viewer, that is what I thought. I agree, even though that part kind of bothered me because I'm just like, why is some half baked theory that a 12 year old came up with like. I don't feel like I should believe this, but well, I not did. only that, I'm like, how did these the small Romani tribe get exactly. the 30 pieces of silver? Like, you I know, mean, that shit would have been like under lock and key. Everyone would have taken one or two. You know, you can't have nothing nice. So well, I guess knows. it's not nice, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, like this stuff would have be pilfered and, you know, like scattered to the wind at this point. But they had it all in one place in one bag. I was like, maybe they also, broke into the Vatican and took it. <clears throat> you know, the Pope is sitting on all sorts of weird tricks. You know, the Pope's a werewolf. So it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. The Howlington, the Pope is a werewolf. The Pope is a werewolf. <laughs> Bless you, my son. <laughs> um, so but yeah. So, OK, so we were to understand that these were the 30 pieces of silver. They've been melted down. To make werewolf teeth to so is this Judas's curse like this part was the one part that opened so many questions for me that I was like, I get what you're going for, but you've you've created more questions than you've answered. Mm -hmm. I think it isn't meant to be the 30 pieces that Judas took to betray Jesus and everything. And I think that inherently does come with some sort of curse, maybe. This Possibly. did feel a little unnecessary to me, though, it because really it could have simply been cursed silver teeth. Like, I don't care what I mean, the silver's from. Pirate treasure, for all we know. Exactly. I really liked the fact that they tried to pull it back into this whole, like, you know, like this really terrible event that, mm-hmm. you know, is viewed as like, you know, you're going to be cursed. Because in the Bible, it actually talks about, like, you know, you melt this down, like, my curse it melts with like, you or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, you, like, you'll face the wrath of this kind of thing, you know. So. If you if you really look at the text and kind of what they did, okay, cool. I can see how you can make that equation and make it work in the movie. But again, to your point, Alex, like it definitely like it wasn't a necessary and b definitely opened more questions than answered for me because I was like, oh, that's a cool little concept. But then my brain goes in immediate like, wait a minute, hold on, mm-hmm. hold on, let's do the math here real quick. So um, either either do sci-fi and just like, hey, we can travel to Saturn, except it is red, and then move on. Or, you know, like, don't do this kind of cryptic, like, what could it be this? It's like, because I'm going to think about it now. And if I find holes, I'm not going to be able to necessarily get past them mm-hmm. super easy. Okay, now I'm thinking of a horror movie that's kind of in a leprechaun vein, except Judas is the villain and you can't, like, uh, get him to stop his rampage until you get all of his 30 pieces of silver returned to him. Interesting. Okay. Leprechaun okay. 15. Back in time. Like, leprechaun 15. Judas is a leprechaun. Do you think the leprechaun <laughs> is, is the one that gave Judas the silver to start with? Because he's like, it's not gold. I don't want and it. How is Judas getting all these time periods? Is he using a phone booth or a DeLorean? <laughs> he's tricked Bill and Ted into like giving him like rides everywhere. It's very possible. They're like, bro, we've got to get rid of this dude. He is harsh and armello. Alex. Keanu, call us. We got ideas. Let's I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> or in John, Hollywood, get at us. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. 
So anyway, back to the cursed. Uh, so this is the the concept behind the teeth, and I really liked it in the fact that, like, again, it created more questions, but I liked the the fact that it was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to, to look at this curse. Timmy freaks out at this point. He's like, holy shit, because they find out, like, Edward is missing, and he's like, oh, my God, I got to go. So he runs outside. If I saw one of if I knew one of y'all had died for some reason, I see you at the edge of a forest. Ain't no way in hell I'm running after you. Just know that now. Just yell, I'll get help. Yeah. <laughs> what if I'm holding a pizza and a six pack? I mean, that would be more tempting, but hell no. Hmm. I've seen Leave enough the of pizza. These. I'll get yeah, help. Just drop it. Leave Take the, 50 <laughs> steps into the woods. Leave the curse. Take the cannoli. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Edward walks away all slow, you know, typical curse style. You yeah. know, you got to be real creepy about typical. it. Typical. And he gives chase. Edward, for all intents and purposes, right now, looks like a regular boy. Yep. And um, he I'm goes in the real woods. Boy. <laughs> You're a monster. So Timmy's giving chase, and uh, he doesn't see him. And then, like out of nowhere, he gets bum rushed by something. And we're, and right now, the monsters are still a blur. We haven't actually seen what these werewolf creatures look like yet. And it rushes past him real quick in a blur. And Timmy's hand is just like from wrist Jacked. to like you know almost elbow, like just tore the fuck open like and it's dangling it's like he just, was holding it later and later on in the scene and i said there's no way in hell that's possible his arm got messed up yeah it's yeah. nasty it is and this is again the movie does a great job of being like here here's a taste and then you're like that's mm-hmm. all you need though um so he ends up hiding this little like rundown shack thing from uh the whatever this shack. creature is it, it could have been the love shack i did not see a jukebox in there was the tin roof rusted? Definitely. Okay. Well, we're halfway there. Living More like on a prayer. Thatch roof busted. <laughs> hey. Boom. It's the original love shack. <laughs> and so uh, the monster does come in and attacks Timmy, and at this point kills him. We find out that he's dead. But this is our first glimpse of these werewolf creatures, mm-hmm. and it is rowdy looking. It's like it's hairless. It's a creature. It's but it's got like wolf like features, but there's no hair which I thought was an interesting take on it. Because the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, is this not a werewolf at all? But then I was like, oh, no, it's got wolf-like features. And then... Yeah, it's kind of got like mangy chupacabra vibes. There you go. Yeah. It's the French chupacabra. Lugerou. That is what the French werewolf story is. <laughs> so at this point, the pathologist is going out to Seamus's house. And Seamus opens the door and he's like, yeah, but there's been some developments. Um, you know, like my son was missing. You came out to help us find him. But there's also another kid missing now. And they're like, well... Let's go. We think we found him. Let's go take a look. So they do, and they find Timmy's body, they, and it they is certainly found him. Just destroyed. What's left of him? Yeah, it is massively messed up. And now this is the part where the movie kind of kicks into gear. So John McBride's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna keep helping you with this because he knows something's up. He knows there's more to this than what people were saying." And he's also like, "Okay, this might be a werewolf thing." And it's weird because he definitely knows what's up, and mm-hmm. the audience, as us, we kind of know he gets it. There's not enough evidence to show that he should have this much knowledge on it. So it definitely is kind of like we feel like we're playing catch up. Yeah. But um, so Seamus invites John into his house. He's like, all right, help us find our kid. This is where they board up the house. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. He suggests they should board all the all the uh, first floor windows. Yeah. And Seamus like, do you think that's necessary? It's just like. Absolutely. Y- yeah, dude. Yeah. You probably listen to me. Edward had broken into the house previously, or when he ran out of the house, he left some blood on the wall. So while they board up the house, because John is like, yo, I know what this is. I'm not going to say nothing, but I know what this is. He scrapes some of uh, Edward's blood off the wall, goes upstairs to his microscope, and uh, then does a little uh, 
little sciencing. This is my thing. Is he more of a phlebotomist now, or is he still a pathologist? Well, a phlebotomist does a blood draw on a live human, not a blood mm. scraping off a dead wall. Okay. All a pathologist does is basically, like, get to the root cause of a death or disease or something like that. Okay. This is the part of the movie where the the, the narrator from Forensic Files had popped on and be like, it was mitochondrial DNA. I would have been like, yes, <laughs> best movie ever. So he does that. Then he cuts some of his own blood, puts it in there with um, Edwards. And would you know what? Edwards' blood starts taking over his blood cells. So <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a living Pac-Man. <laughs> So he basically realizes, like, okay, this is this is definitely werewolf blood. He goes to sleep, and he has his dream. And this dream is the one that fucked me up the most. Um, oh, I don't this know if he tells. One. Yes, the scarecrow one. Yes. I don't know if he tells the wife, um, Charlotte's mom, at this point, that, like, I lost my wife and daughter when we were stationed in Javro And, the like, they called him the military. Doesn't at this, that happen, like, right after this? Because he goes downstairs. I think, I think so. After. Yes, like, yeah. Okay. All right, For so some night drinking. He has he has he falls asleep doing his work as is his want, and uh, he has a nightmare. He ends up walking up to the scarecrow. He is in the middle of the field. He looks over the edge of the woods, and there's a woman and a child. Now, immediately, even though they haven't said it, you're like, "That's his wife and kid." Yeah. And I was like, "And they're dead." And okay, we've got this trope going on in this movie. I could care less at this point. I think it would have been funny though if they were like, "Oh, that was my third grade teacher and a girl that I shared a mat with at nap time." <laughs> but no, we see them over there, and then they look up, and the the scarecrow's gone. Yeah, that shot was cool. How it you're like facing him, you see the feet of the scarecrow cuts to the woods, cuts back to him, and the feet are gone. Then we cut back to the woods, and this scarecrow thing, and we're and it's not it's still like with no hands. It's like looming over this wife and kid, like. Got Slender Man style around him. Yeah, it's like, and he slowly just like puts his hand on the shoulders and starts turning him around and walking him into the woods. And he's like, no, like screaming. You can't hear it because it's all dream style. But that, I mean, I've got goosebumps right now just talking about it. Like the visual of like the scarecrow thing, like standing behind the, the wife and kid, fucking terrifying. And again, these dreams were so well done visually that that's, I got to give this movie so much credit for just being fantastic looking yeah as a fellow fairly vivid dreamer these did feel very like true to my dream states where it's like okay there is some you know underlying internal logic but uh it is highly variable (laughs) you know it's a dream you're seeing stuff that's like oh this is not reality but it, it does feel very real like it could be possible in the way the movie's playing it out. But he wakes up in a panic. Oh, oh my God. What was I What was I thinking? Goes downstairs, makes some tea, and then the wife comes down. Seamus' wife uh, comes down. This is where he's like, okay, so here's the situation. I lost a wife and kid. We got stationed in Gevadon. He was basically a military doctor. And so evidently, people know about this thing because they're like, oh, yeah, Gevadon. You know, like, the wife knows like a what it was. So, I mean, they didn't know it was like a wolf monster thing, but Mm -hmm. they know that like the military got called in to handle this like animal problem. She's like, I'm so sorry. She, she reacts to hear that he lost his wife and kid in a way that like only someone who's known you for a while would exactly. She breaks down. And I thought maybe that was a little bit because like, she's also missing her kid, but the way she reacts, is like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And I'm like, you don't know this man. Like, I'm not saying you can't be empathetic, but she's acting like she lost a love, like, at the same like she time. She knew them, yeah. yeah. And I will say, um, the mythology of this movie, I just looked it up because it, sound, it sounded very familiar. Um, the Beast of Jovedon, 
I think, uh, that was my attempt at the French pronunciation, um, was actually a a real thing. So based on potential historical events. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Thank you for that tidbit. I'm assuming we got that from Wikipedia. Hell yeah, you did. Thanks, Jack Travers. Bob Smith Jones. Jack Travers, right? That's his name? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Wait, is it really it? Did they get it? No. Oh. Of course not. Course not, Jesus. Okay, well, J- Jimmy Wales. Jimmy, Jimmy Wales. Wales. God, Jack Travers. Who's that? Anyway, I feel like you're getting closer with every attempt. I'm but. trying. I'm. I, you know, if we can't better ourselves, what's the point? And uh, at this point, um, John McBride is like, yeah, you need to tell your people to go stay inside. Mm-hmm. Like we're under quarantine. And shockingly, people don't listen. Man, <laughs> and how does that work out for them? You fucking morons. Actually, for the most part, this town is very good at quarantining. That's yeah. true. That's true. But um, so these three people like, like we got to get these crops before it's too late. So I'm guessing they're going to go bad or something, but I couldn't tell what was on the vines. It just looked like they were clearing vines or something yeah. like that. But it's a, a typical, it's your typical French on the field, foggy day. And uh, they're out there cutting vines. The woman is like, this is dumb. We should go mm-hmm. back inside. And then Callum go and figure. Jacob. The lady be the sane one of the three. Are like, no, no, we got to do this real quick. Let's go. And um, they're cutting vines. They hear a noise. Callum goes into the woods with a stick like, I'll take care of it. Like, you moron. He don't come back. And then the smart lady's like, hey, don't do that. Can't bring a stick to a fang fight. That's right. And then she turns around and there's Jacob slumped over the vine slash fence thing. And she's like, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob and I'll ooh, Edward Jacob was anyone named oh. Bella in this? I don't think so. Okay, well we'll check IMDb no, in a minute. This lady's name was Anne Marie, right? Yes. yes, yes, yes. And she's like Jacob, and then she like walks over. Now I did not see the monster behind Jacob the whole time she was walking over until they actually showed the foot. Did you guys see? No, it? I didn't see it either. No. Okay, this movie is fucking gorgeous cinematography wise. Like. All the surprises are legitimately pretty well done because they thought about how it needs to look. But anyway, she walks up close enough. She finds he's like a weird foot behind Jacob's body slumped over. And then, bam, smash cut. We see the monster for the first time, like in its full glory. Um, it's rowdy. It's big. It's large. It kind of looks like a werewolf without hair. Like a skinned dog. Mangy werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. A, a French chupacabra, if yeah. you will. Lujaru. <laughs> so it starts chasing her. And you're like, holy crap. And it starts attacking her and it bites into yeah, her. I felt bad for this lady because she was the smart one of the three. Like, To mm. be fair, she didn't have to leave the house. I mean, I guess back in the 1800s. No, they French, drew straws. Yeah, they, they did have to leave did. the house. Oh, yeah. Well, I missed that They lots and they uh, didn't win. Uh-huh. Well, Callum out of nowhere comes back from the woods with his stick and hits the giant monster. And he's like, run. I got this. Doesn't got it. Callum's dead instantly. Yeah. So to stick to a fang fight. So Anne Marie runs off screaming, ends up going to, I don't know where she ends up at this point, but she goes to like a a friend's house or something like that. And they're like, holy shit, she's been attacked. Mm -hmm. Uh, John McBride is like, I'm going to go set some traps. I'm going to take care of this problem. So it's a good chance you're not getting your kid back, my dude. And then I think at this time is around the time where the mom slips up and says something about like, you know, like, what about the Romanis? And like, then the dad's like, you shut your mouth. That's how I remember that scene. And then they, <laughs> John McBride is like, okay, some shit's up here. Like, mm-hmm. and he, he thinks he knows what's going on. Now, also based off this, we are to understand that John McBride knows that it is the, um, again, part of the gypsy curse that causes this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm interested to know how he learned that. I think there are a lot of logical leaps in this movie that aren't um, very fleshed out. 
that for one and then uh timmy putting together that this is judas's 30 pieces of silver based on yeah almost no evidence but you know what i guess sometimes you just guess right mr mcbride's a smart dude so he may have just read up on it or talked to some people and put two and two together over in that's the jovedon jovedon i'm gonna pass I'm going to pass to our resident French accent expert. I speak zero words of French, but I like I like making making the noises. I like making the noises. <laughs> See, very we French. We can all do it. I like that. Um, so anyway, <laughs> and then McBride's going to like, I'm going to go set some traps. I'm going to trap these monsters. I'm going to take care of this for you. And then we're going to be dead and done with this. Boom. We got to go. And this is also when the villagers kind of congregate in the church to fortify themselves. Yes. There, yes. He tells them he's like, send everyone to the church, except for Seamus, you and your family can stay in the house with me. We don't see any other villagers out and about unless there's like an, an actual event happening or something like that. That night they get in an argument and John's like, tomorrow I'm going to go out and put out traps. I'm going to take care of this problem for you. And then we'll be done with it. And we can all go our separate ways. And Seamus is like, no, I'll take care of it myself. You know, a little bit of a power struggle. Cut to the next day. John McBride's out there setting traps. If this was an 80s montage, that would have been awesome, too. Yeah, that would have. <laughs> but he's doing a really good job. He's digging holes. But as he's doing all that, he falls asleep. And then he wakes up to a sound of something inside this little shack behind him that he fell asleep against. And inside is one of the beasts. He runs back. He's got his gun. He makes a noise. The beast bum rushes him. He flips it over into this pit he dug full of punji sticks and bam, stabs the beast. It is like messed up, but we can't just go with that. Nope. It's going to shoot it. Takes his musket, puts the powder in, packs it in. Oh my God, this scene, scene muskets have to be loaded. I was like, this <laughs> takes too long. Like I was like, get a fucking sword, like anything. I mean, I know. Something. Have pistols preloaded. Yes, have a knife on the ready just in case. But I honestly kind of like the, the fact that it ratcheted up the tension. Like, is this thing going to get up before you can actually load this this gun? It had a, it it got impaled quite a few times. I was like, uh, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's probably there for the count. But hey, you never be. What do they say? Shoot it in the head anyway. That's true. So and real is quick, that what they say? I don't know. Why not? The young lady from the field that got attacked. She has escaped from her place as well. Yes, and. Uh, she ends up going to this lake that's on the property or something. Mm-hmm. And in there we see like the, the transformation flesh branches yeah. coming out of her and it like Anne Marie sucks yeah. her down into the bottom of it and it like envelops her essentially in this water feature on the property. Yeah. It's kind of like this weird cocoon thing. And I was like, wow, are they going to be rebirth this? But no, it just kind of like takes over their Wilford skin. Wilfred Brimley's going to show up later. It gives them like almost like a, a werewolf cocoon. That they live in, like a like a, a biomechanical a, suit, a wear mech, if you Ooh. will, <laughs> a bio a bio wear mech. That'd be cool. Oh man, this has got so much potential. Yeah. And so, um, but yes, the 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 one that he kills is actually Anne Marie. And so he takes it back with a bunch of dudes into this barn, and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to show you guys some shit. Just FYI, strap in. This is how it's going to be." He cuts it open, and um, out of this werewolf body comes a new birth version of Anne Marie and he's like now kill it and he's like and Paul's like I can't do that I've known her since she was a child and he's like no you have to they never come back normal and this is super gnarly this is like some the thing level weird tentacle transformation yeah. It was awesome. It was very, very like visually visceral. And I was like, holy crap. And then she starts screaming this like un- otherworldly like banshee howl yeah. sort of. And he's like, do it. No. 
no, do it, no, do it. Bam, blows her head off. Yeah, Paul gets his act together. And um, (laughs) John McBride is covered in this lady at this point. It's like, damn, that was rough. And that killed it. Like, that's it. So we're not like in a situation where only silver can kill these things. This is definitely like there's some other ways to do it. Seamus is like, is this what happened to Edward? And he's like, yeah, most likely. You know, John's like, I'm sorry to say it, but this is probably what's going to happen. We got to call the military because she who knows who she's attacked, who knows what's happened. This could get out of hand real fast. So they're reaching out to the military. At this point, Seamus goes back to the house with John. So Seamus is like, I'm going to take a hunting party out the next day which he does. And that's when we see all the dogs and they're out like hunting around and they're trying to find uh, this creature. Like that night we find out that the, the history of the Romani slaughter is um, exposed to John McBride. Mm-hmm. The wife is like, okay, this is the only trophy we don't show when it comes to hunting. And it's them all standing around that, that village or that little like um, the picture from camp, the beginning yeah. where they slaughtered. Them. Yeah. And she's like, this is the only one we don't display. And he's like, holy crap. Okay. He's like, well, this is a curse. And he's like, it don't matter. They're getting blood for blood. Um, I'll do what I can if I can stop this. Cool. Otherwise, this is going to happen until enough of you have died. When Seamus comes home that night, he confronts him. McBride confronts him and is like, hey, you know, this is because of you. You're going to pay for blood. You're a dickhead. So this one's totally on you, bro. (laughs) It kind of ties back to um, Jay McBee's backstory of losing his wife and kid, I think is where we we learn this. It's like, no, they were like murdered by this beast and that that curse was brought down on the community by a selfish person like yourself. Yeah, he's like, this is the same thing that happened in Jevedon. My family paid for assholes like you, more or less, is what he's saying. So John has just had enough. He's like, all right, this is bullshit. I'm tired of fucking rich assholes fucking it up for everyone else. Aren't we all? Yeah, for real. <laughs> and um, and Seamus is like, you can get out of my house. And I do like how John is like, no, I'm going to stay. And that's the end of the conversation. I'm going to stay and finish this thing. Deuces. You know, <laughs> Charlotte kind of fesses up and is like, hey, Timmy is the one who told us about this. He's like, there should have been what was in the box. You know, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Charlotte's like, I know where it is. I'll show you. They go to the church where Timmy and her had their little confessional. Mm-hmm. Inside the confessional is uh, the box with the silver teeth. John is like, okay, here we go. I see these teeth. I know it needs to be done. He melts them down into bullets now. Yes. As one does. So he takes these supposedly Judas silver teeth, melts them into bullets, and he's like, all right, we're going to kill these beasts. We got it. Problem solved. Going to kill them with their own teeth. Back at the house, a niece or a nice or a niece. A nice. A nice. A nice. The handmade. That's a nice pizza. Oh, keep that shit in the podcast. Good job, everybody. (laughs) She's back at the house and uh, she's doing laundry and she goes out and my note says never stand among sheets hanging up. Absolutely not. You work from the outside and work in. You never Mm -hmm. get inside and work out. Uh, No. So a nice is (laughs) she's getting the sheets down uh, from doing the laundry and she hears a growl and sees some feet and uh uh-oh, wouldn't you know it? Nothing happens. No, I'm just kidding. She gets attacked by a giant werewolf monster and blood splatter all over these nice clean sheets. That's going to be really hard to get out. Someone's going to pay top dollar for those. You're going to have to rinse those with cold water really quickly. So the stains don't set. I couldn't tell at this point. Did the monster look like it was trying to create another person, another creature, or did it just like, I'm not interested in killing you, killing you. I wouldn't presume to understand the motivations of a monster. I assume. Unless it full on eats you, it's just going to automatically do that. I don't think the monster knows. They're back at the house, and a knight has been, um, she's hiding her wounds. 
you know, which She's typical, trying. typical, like, just stop hiding this, you know, like, like stop telling people you're not you infected. Are seriously hurt. Yeah. You're a you real need to see a damn doctor. Barbara from Shaun of the Dead here. Yeah. The family's at home eating dinner. There's tension, you know, because they all know what's going to happen. And this is where, like, they have the, the argument of, like, he's like, I'll get them tomorrow. And he's like, you tried today and you got nothing. You got bupkis, bud. And you're like, yeah. I'll take care of this for you. I got some silver bullets. Dick bupkis. <laughs> I got this dog. And he's like, get out of my house. And he's like, no. And it's like, okay, good night. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just thought that whole exchange was hilarious. Just, yep. like, no, I'm not going to do that. And that was the end of it. Maybe he's a Nobody vampire. Said, Once you let him in, you have I no guess, power. I guess. <gasps> so that would have made this movie ten times cooler. John McBride. That was the subtext. The original <laughs> oh, Van Helsing. Damn it, I missed it. Uh, John McBride goes upstairs after having the argument, looks out the window, sees the bloody sheets, and he's like, what, what, what? Oh, my God, someone's been attacked. Oh, my. <laughs> he runs or back downstairs. Like, or I, I like to think, now that we've brought it up, he's just like, mm, those stains are never coming out. Yeah. Watch how OxyClean unleashes the power of oxygen, making tough stains disappear like magic. He runs back down and he's like, where is everybody? And they're like, what do you mean? Everyone's here. And he's like, where's the maid? And they're like, I don't know. And then you hear like, why would we know where a maid was? <laughs> We're rich. Because she's a nice maid. God damn it. Boom. Oh, so he's like, where's the, where's the maid? And uh, they're like, we don't know. And then they hear a noise. The maid's in her room. And they're like, well, we're going to go check on That's her. right. Because um, she knocks over the candlestick and starts a fire. Yeah, because Seamus hears her groaning through the vents. Like, John's in his room packing up his shit or whatever. Charlotte and the wife uh, and Isabel are abed, asleep out. in their bed. Yeah. Um, Seamus is downstairs and he hears, like, the groaning and the, like, the noises of the maid from the vent, which this is not the first time he's peeped on some noises from his maid. I mm-hmm. guarantee you that. Oh, yeah. And um, he's like, wait, that doesn't sound right. So he goes upstairs and then he gets those aren't her normal noises. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets attacked and Seamus has been bit in the the tussle. As you said, Alex, the the candle gets knocked over. So now the house is on fire, which solves the problem for Garrett. Burn the house down. Does Anais get killed in this scene? I don't don't think Seamus shoots her in in the head. That's right. Yeah, that's oh, right. Shamus okay. shoots her in the head, and because the, the body's laying on the floor yep. at the thing, and then like you know, that was a cool scene too, where you see literally half her head just disappear. Yeah, it was it was a very brutal kind of like whoa, and the the way that he uses his legs to kind of push her back far enough to get the the musket uh, barrel in front of her, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well done. That's good jujitsu. John runs up and he's like, holy shit, the house is on fire. He goes and tells Charlotte, he's like, you two. GTFO. Yeah, you got to get out of here. This shit's on fire. I'm gonna go find Seamus. He finds Seamus out in the barn. He Who? sees Seamus run into the barn. Oh, okay. He's like yelling for him, so he follows him in there. Okay. You know what? Throwback to the beginning of the episode. I think they were harvesting grapes because this barn is full of barrels. Okay. So I maybe thought they're it was making oh, It's the French sense. countryside. Maybe they're making some wine. Maybe. Maybe. Ma- wine country, you know? Yeah. And so they go into this barn, and uh, Seamus is covered in some goop, if you will. Some goop? <laughs> some goop. He's like... I should have believed you. We should never would have fucked with these Romani people. You're right. Blood for blood. This is all happening. Well, hopefully this will be enough to satiate their, their bloodlust. John's like, no, don't do it. And then Seamus sets himself on fire. Good old self immolation. And I love the fact that there was a moment of silence. And then it was like, "Uh, ah, and I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, bud, that's going to happen. It might take a second to set in though. I don't know. I mean, 
I never want to be burned alive, but I imagine it does take a hot, a, that a seems hot like second. It, a hot second. Hey, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it takes hot a hot second. second to kick in. That does seem like an, an extremely rough way to go. I, I know at I some mean, point it burns your nerve endings. Yeah, I think for the first few seconds, yes, it would be excruciating. Then all your nerve endings are killed, mm-hmm. and you don't feel anything, and you just get crispy. And a lot of times, if you're breathing in the flames and stuff like it's that, you're like, yeah, you're you're numbing a lot of stuff right away. But I'm sure it's not yeah. great. Um, especially the mental, the mental aspect of knowing what's happening. Ooh. You're just like, whoop, no coming back from this. Yeah, that and drowning. No so thanks. Seamus uh, is on fire. He's on fire. Boom shakalaka. And then uh, John McBride runs back to go get Charlotte. And <laughs> you like that one? There, I did. I did. Uh, he runs back to get Charlotte and Isabel in the house who are hiding because they heard a noise and one of the creatures is stalking them in the house. And this is Edward, I believe. It is Edward. Because I believe Edward's the only one alive at this point. At this point, yes. you are correct. Yes. So we we had three werewolf monsters, and now we only have one, Edward. And um, John runs back in, gets them both out. He's like, you guys got to get out of here. Jump over the flame. And they do. They leave. They're like, we're heading to the church. Mm-hmm. So the house is burning down completely. Now, at this point, as they're leaving, he's, the wife is like, where's Seamus? And then he goes, uh, he was in the barn. He didn't make it because the whole thing's on fire. Also, <laughs> we've seen horses run by on fire. On fire. And I was so upset. And they're like, Wee! I was like, no, horses. So I was not expecting that at all. But yeah, they just because they're in the barn and I gallop mean, on by. It just oh, that was so sad. That actually really hurt. Maybe they went and hopped in the lake and they're fine. I mean, it's possible. They were fully engulfed. They were the, they were the human torch of the equine community. <laughs> so I doubt it, here. but thank you. I appreciate you doing, <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and um, so at this point they go to the church, but as they're on their way to the church, they have to pass through the creepy French woods, which exist everywhere. Like, Honestly, is... that feels like they probably would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably. So they're walking through, they see an overturned carriage because they sent the grandmother and um, that's right. I forgot about they them. sent the grandmother and one of the, uh, the house, servants with her to like get her get her out of town they're like mm-hmm. you got to get the fuck out of here Mima or whatever you want to call her Nana, I granny nana her. yeah and uh, yes french Mima. <laughs> so caca uh, <laughs> uh so they, they see the overturned cart where uh nana's uh cars are like oh my god nana are you dead she's dead <laughs> okay i mean at that point it would be a silly question to ask, Nana, and, are you dead? Yeah, these these woods are creepy. They are foggy. They are, it's not the place you want to be with an overturned cart and a werewolf on the loose. It's not any place I want to be after like 4 p.m., period. <laughs> but then you hear a grumble, a little growl. On the other it, side of the Is it Isabel's stomach? Is she hungry? <laughs> Does she need more shredded She cheese? gave away all her apples. Oh, no. Me apples. Oh, no. Uh, so, what do I sound like Mario? And Me apples. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, John, they see the werewolf, Edward, and uh, John aims the gun at it, and it backs down. So, I guess it can smell the silver or something, because it is scared. Maybe it just doesn't want to get shot. No, because it had no problem bum-rushing anyone else with a gun. Because He this point, did make a reference to yes. it, he's scared of something on it. Yeah, he's like, I got something that it's scared of. Yeah. And it's like, it knows, like, holy shit. You know, like, for some reason, I think it can smell the silver. That, we'll go with that. didn't use his deodorant that morning. It's possible, too. His Fermunda cheese is thick. <laughs> so, he's like, all right, screw it. We've got an out. They're not going to attack us while I got the silver bullets. Let's go back to the uh, almost said airport. Back to the uh, the church. <laughs> <laughs> get to the airport. We got to get out of here. And um, so they get to the church. They're like, "Let us in! Let us in!" And uh, not by the hair, by chinny chin chin. And uh, they let the the people in. John, Isabel, and uh, Charlotte. 
one of the parents is like, if it's outside, I'm going to go kill it right now. And he's like, no, stop. Mm. I've got a way to kill it. He's like, like, he's like, we're just going to stay in here. The military's on its way. We'll take it out tomorrow. Bada bing, bada boom. We're done. All right. Wait till daylight. We'll have visuals on it. The smart angle. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like, oh, John McBride, you're so smart. You're a pathologist. Why wouldn't we listen to you? So everyone goes to sleep except for Isabel. <sighs> Because women can't be trusted alone in a place when you need to be locked inside. If there's one thing we learned from cinema, it's that. And uh, Alex, you don't have to give me that look. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, she's up praying because she misses her son, Edward. She's hoping he's okay. She's still stuck on that. You think after like 24 hours, she'd be over this. The death disappearance of her son. I mean, we all have confirmation that he's a werewolf monster. We're done here. I'm sorry. Either one of you turned into werewolf monsters. We had a good Please, run. Please, by all means, kill my ass immediately. <laughs> we had a good run. Unless I can train you to let me ride you around like a giant oh, beast of like, war. Hell yeah. That's awesome. It could be like a whole like Conan cover. It could be. Or just Beastmaster. There you go. Alex, how do you feel about chainmail bikinis? I mean, I'm wearing one now. Okay, cool. We're on. So anyway, um, Isabel is... Uh, like, oh, my God, I hear a noise outside. The werewolf monster has managed to turn its voice back to Edward. It's the predator now. So I'm like, mom, mom, let me in. I guess he's inside of it, so he can just ventriloquist the the werewolf monster. I, I guess. He's like, mom, let me in. And she's like, oh, my God, Edward, that has to be you, yeah, not a giant monster. The door. She opens the door and as she's doing it. Everyone was waking up like, what are you doing? No, you dumb bitch. Oh, God. Why didn't they post a guard on the door for just (laughs) such a situation? Maybe they thought no one's stupid enough to do this. Listen, this is a movie. It's true. (laughs) It is true. So anyway, like they are so mad at Isabel. And I mean, I get why. She opens the door and she's like, you're not Edward at all. Nope. It's the shocker. Bum rushes in past Isabel, knocks her to the floor, starts just killing everybody. Now, not killing everybody. Some of them are just getting maimed and bit and Mm -hmm. messed up. So I'm like, oh, I thought we were about to have a massive horde of werewolf monsters on hand. That's what I was expecting. I was like, okay, this is about to get rowdy. But uh, there's a there's a. A whole fiasco. Everything's getting messed up. Everyone's getting killed. And then Isabel finally gets to her feet and she's like, everyone stop. This is my son, Edward. He recognizes me. I'll calm him down. Please. Yeah. It was like, lady, just know your place. Read the room. Parents can't <laughs> calm Parents down. Parents understand. I was about to Parents say Parents can't the same calm thing. down their children, even in a circumstance where they haven't been infected by a monster curse. Yeah. Have you ever been to, you know, Have you ever been on Wendy's? an airplane? We can just name any place and it just applies. Um, I was at the Arby's and a child was screaming. That's Must have been a werewolf. I want a beef and cheddar in silence. That's right. Um, So she like walks up and she's like, Edward, it's me, mama. And uh, mama, mama. (laughs) It pauses for a second. You think, uh oh, did she reach it? Did they have a connection? You know, like, no. But then attacks her. And as it's attacking her, John McBride, being the smart guy he is, he's like, well, you got to do what you got to do. Shoots that silver bullet right through Isabel and right inside of Edward. That's some good aim, too, because, you know, if it had hit like a large bone, it probably would have lodged there and not made a through and through. So he aimed for soft tissue and did a good job. He's a pathologist. What do you expect? He can do anything. But then again, that round was that big and probably had a bit of heft. That big as a meaning visual. But silver is also it a was, super soft metal, so it's probably going to like that smush and not travel super well. Not when it's been You're tempered by Judas himself. Physics, y'all. That's true. 
This is Judas. This is Judas Silver. Yeah, okay, it's cursed. So anyway, yes, he he threw and throws Isabel right into Edward, and they both fall to the ground, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's <laughs> over." And then he's kind of sad because he didn't want to have to kill Isabel. And then Charlotte's like, "Oh no, mom, monster!" But the monster, monster has turned back into Edward. Mm-hmm. So there was a small naked child laying on the ground who used to be a monster next to his dead mother. I mean, at that point, I'm still not trusting his ass. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah. I thought they were both dead. I did too. But then, no, Edward starts to stir and he gets up and he's like, oh my God, mom, what happened? He doesn't remember any of this. Because again, much like when Timmy put the teeth in and goes into that fugue state, Edward doesn't remember being the monster at all. So at this point, they take him back to the house. They heal up Edward. And this is where the silver bullet is still inside of him, Mm -hmm. which I did not realize and as you guys pointed out, as you guys pointed out, uh, is taken out of him at the uh, beginning of the movie, um, because this will come up in just a second. So at this point, Edward, he's like, I'm going to take care of you now. You're my family. I thought that was very odd. I agree. Surely very they have family odd. elsewhere, right? Uh, you would assume, but. Well, I also was weirded out because like he lost a wife and a child. And I was like, oh, is he about to take Char- Charlotte as a wife? That's what I thought. And I yeah, was like, yeah. no, gross. But no, the movie does like, it's like, I'll be your dad. You can be my kids. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a Sweeney Todd situation. Like a real he, like, child steals bride a child thing. and like mm-hmm. grooms her to be his bride. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Freaking French. But anyway, um, <laughs> so John basically adopts these two kids, takes care of them. And then now we have a bunch of scenes intercut amongst each other. We're mm-hmm. back in present day where John McBride is dying. Well, present day, present as day, in, World War One. Yes. Present day, World War One. Present day where the movie started. <laughs> present day, a little over 100 years ago. <laughs> anyway, hmm, I'm going to fucking block Wikipedia for you. And, uh, <laughs> I know what World War One is. I don't need Wikipedia for that. 1914, 1918. Come on. Forget about it. Anyway, so back to this movie, The Cursed. Um, so John basically is now dying in a bed. Charlotte's there to see him. Edward, who's off fighting in World War One, just got killed and had bullets taken out of him. And they find the silver the bullet, silver bullet inside him. So then we see his name tag, and it's like, oh my god, that was Edward. So everything kind of wraps up where we realize Edward was killed in the war, War One, but he got to live. Yep. Charlotte's there visiting John. John seems to have had a happy life. The, uh, him laying in that bed with the uh, old age prosthetics and makeup on that was comically bad i didn't think it was that bad but it was not good yeah i was sitting there i was like oh man they did you dirty (laughs) it was the one it was the one part of the movie where i was like ah you could have done better yeah but and that's it and then the movie the scroll credits there's no after credit scene not this kind of movie yeah no but uh the soundtrack was great soundtrack was good very classical like you know like a lot of cello you know kind of stuff um that's it that's the movie that's the cursed I just want to know more about the monsters themselves. Like this is one movie where, and I know we have talked about other movies where we don't need to know everything. I just want a little bit about these. Monsters. Yeah, I wanted, and maybe I missed this somehow, but I don't understand like why we needed the silver bullets when regular bullets appear to kill these creatures just fine. And like what the difference there was like, I mean, it, when you shot in the head, it seemed to have died, but they also killed. So the thing is when they kill, when they open up Anne Marie, mm-hmm. she's been shot in the head. That, that, that cocoon body is dead, but yeah. she's still alive, reborn as a monster inside. 
So I'm not sure if they keep coming back. But with she never came back, and they shot her with a regular bullet after that. So you just have to kill them twice, and then you're done. Well, we never saw. Maybe like you have to shoot the thing inside the stomach and the head. I, I don't f- know. Which I'm saying they did. Like they shot like the outer thing, and then when she climbs out, they shoot her again. Uh, okay. And I think the silver nothing bullet more comes of it was just kind of your stereotypical cure for lycanthropy in most werewolf movies. Yeah. And when it went through Isabel, it slowed it down enough so it wouldn't kill Edward, but just take well, away the curse of right. I'm just it is. saying well, I that think the, the silver bullet appeared to be unnecessary. I thought the silver cured you, but you could still be killed. Yes. So like if you wanted a cure, get, your, get your silver on. But if you were just going to be killed outright, there's ways to do it. But you, the fact they that chopped we're off having, your fucking head with a hatchet that we're having to make all sorts of extrapolations based on what's actually exactly. in the text. If only we had someone who was good at putting head cannon into these movies that could basically solve these problems for us. John, come back. Um, <laughs> yes, the the monsters. I was less concerned about that because I was like, there's so much there. I don't want to open that can of worms. My thing was more the the Judas silver. I was like, I need to know either <laughs> is this legitimately Judas's silver. Is this like how they come take. to it? How are these Romanis re- related to that story? Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, again, there was there was so much there that I was like, I need information on that. I just feel like some of the world building fell into an awkward no man's land of giving us like if they had given us less information, it would have worked. If they had given us more information, it would have worked better. But it kind of landed right in the middle where I'm like, okay, you've given me enough information, so I have a ton of follow-up questions, and now I'm not going to get any answers to those. Yeah. Oh, and that's what I was saying earlier. Like when movies basically is like, oh, this happens. Done. Like, and they just kind of tell you flat out who was like, we can travel through time. Black holes. Cool. Don't okay. question it. Just so go with it. We've done this like 900 times, right? Yeah, okay, good. All right. Okay, that's good. I'm done. This is just part of this world. Mm-hmm. But when it's like, we're going to travel to a black hole. Is that possible? Hey, we did it. Okay, stop. Go back. How did y'all do it? That's yeah. that's the question. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, if they had touched more on it or touched less on it, it would have been less of a, a stopping point for us to go, wait a minute. You know, we need more. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of one of, one of my complaints with the script. Yeah, I think technically the movie was fantastic, but the script was the big lack for me. I and I just wanted, was not scared by it. And I also think that happens sometimes when you put things back in like the 1800s is like people are just so boring and plain, you know, like you yeah, get like very, true. you don't get like game over, man. You don't get a lot of like personality with characters back in that time because they're all so bland. Straight and you're just like, like, sir, I think you've offended my family. I have not. Okay. Good day. Okay. You're yeah. just like, wait, what? I really liked the evolution of that accent. I know it was all <laughs> over the place. Oh, I missed it. You me dad. Um, so <laughs> anyway, I, I really, but the, the, again, I'm going to touch on this. If you just appreciate just beautiful shots, glorious sights, I, like yes. someone spent time in a field looking at every angle of a field and be like, if the sun rises right there, how is that going to light my mm-hmm. area? Like, what would it look like if I brought in, um, like fog just from this one area? What if this grass was just like two inches higher and I could have the fog run right under the very tippy top of it? Like, did I say tippy top? Jesus. You did. Holy God. I think my, my <laughs> one complaint about the look of this movie, and this is just a very personal taste thing. I really... Too many white people. Wait, well, oh. that, but it was too muddled. Well, I'm saying that like every horror movie now has this very blue heavy color palette and I would like to see a little bit more, I don't know, 
more of a vivid palette. Like, and I know that they're trying to set a tone and that's a really easy mm-hmm. shorthand for this is a horror movie, but I also find it facile and boring. I would say go back and rewatch it because while there is at least 50% of this movie that is definitely like blue color corrected and stuff like that to kind of add that kind of like dark without being too dark to see what's mm-hmm. going on, which is just what happens. You shoot day for night, you add a blue filter, you know, back in the day, that's what they did. But there was a lot of beautiful yellows and oranges that were done. Like when they get off the, the one shot that I will call out is when they first go to find Timmy's body and they get off the, uh, the carriage on the road and then you see the woods and the grass is so vividly green. The back is like the woods are kind of grayish orange. And then they are white and black based off their clothes, like walking in front of it. Like it, and it's all like kind of, as you said, muddled, but I say um, washed. Okay. Um, and I, and I yeah. say washed. In fact, it's more like a watercolor, like oil painting. Mm-hmm. And, so, and the, the, I really think they put a lot of thought into color in this movie. I will agree with you. There is a lot of blue, but at night, that's kind of what they do to kind of correct. But but it's not just at night. No, no, it's no. Like, I know there there are times when like there is some blue. And I said it's about 50 percent of the movie is bluish. It's it blew itself. OK. Yeah. Hey. And it's, but, I mean, honestly, like it's that's just a complaint I have about modern horror movies in general, which is why something like Midsummer really jumps out to me because they like lean into a very well lit, bright color palette. Mm-hmm. I this, mean, this movie walks the weird line of trying to be like foggy, creepy, gray, Washed and muddled, Creepy you know. Ray. That's and, me, uh, <laughs> yay! And um, verse and, and but also being super vividly colorful in the the parts where it it, it can be. I will agree with you. Most modern horror does go straight to that blue filter yeah. and then just leans way too heavy on it. Which is why I think I like this movie so much. Is there was so much like beautiful like thought into these shots and the color, you know, you know, composition of them. I li- there were there were times I stopped this movie, rewound it, and watched the scene again just because it looked so good. I was like, wow, like they they chose to have this camera stop right at the edge of this tree because it perfectly frames these forty seven other trees. Like mm-hmm. that's there's an eye, Sean Ellis has got an I eye on see him, and I'd love to do. see what he does in the future. Yeah, It did look super nice overall, and my complaints about the look of it are quite petty because it doesn't... Not the, petty, valid. The offenses but, I'm claiming uh, here are like not nearly as bad in this movie as they are in a lot of other movies, but I think I've just seen it so, so much lately that it it just kind of sticks out more and more to me. It sucks because it ruins it when good people do it properly. Yes. Because we've, we've had it so much. You yeah. Know? No, I, I completely see what you're saying. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that criticism. Um, you know, like I don't like monster vision. You know, I don't like seeing through the eyes of the monsters in, in my movies. There, there are definitely preferences you could, like that are totally valid. But I, I do have to agree with you. There are certain things like the characters, the tropes of the characters were like, oh, you lost your wife and kid. Like, OK, it's been leaned into and done so much. It's like it does nothing for me yeah. or anymore. But I think for a filmmaker who doesn't have a vast filmography yet, I think this shows a huge amount of promise because I think oh, this yeah. is a pretty early project in his career, I hope, because I would love to see more from this guy. I would not be surprised if he gets a major drama after this, like a Downton mm-hmm. Abbey or, you know, like something. I don't know what Downton Abbey is. I'm assuming it's a drama. I want to. I want him to stick in the horror realm. Oh, God, that would be. Could you imagine like him doing like a vampire flick? That, I mean, I'd watch it. 
Yeah. I bet he'd also be a great thriller director, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, good cop drama. And also a shout-out to Robin Foster, who did the music of this movie. Okay. Uh, we didn't call that out, but, um, again, the, the soundtrack on this is so well done and lends itself so well to creating this the atmosphere of this film. But, anyway, uh, that was The Cursed. And I really liked it. It was a it was a really cool, interesting new take on werewolves, um, but also keeping very true to the the mythos and like just the feel of a werewolf movie. So I very much enjoyed that. Um, I highly recommend this. I would also recommend this, even though I didn't like it quite as much as you. I still liked it, and also this might be kind of a I, I have nothing to really defend this but my gut says that this is probably the best werewolf movie that's come out in like at least 10 years because hmm. we just don't have that many werewolf movies and i thought this was a pretty good one we we are definitely short on werewolf movies like werewolves within yeah which you talked about earlier that's one the wolfman with benicio del toro and that was like 2009 oh ish 2008 ish yeah. yeah jack nicholson's wolf no, that was way earlier. <laughs> Jesus, that fucking flick. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Uh, so anyway, yeah, no, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of werewolf uh, movies. And I think that's because they, they take a crack at Wolfman and it does poorly. And everyone's just like, eh, yeah, fuck it. If Benicio Del Toro can't make this work, who can? But I think that's who's among us. This movie did a really good job of showing us that the, that, that particular genre is not dead. That that topic not is all. not, you know, there's ways you can do things with it to make it interesting. And I, I love them trying to put like an old like the Judas Silver kind of like this deep lore legacy involved with the werewolves. Like I was like to put that in more than just like, oh, it's just a it's a Native American curse, you know, which how many times we had yeah, that crammed like, down our throat. I don't. I love that. But I'm also like, we've done it. Yeah. I, I don't think the Judas Silver quite worked, but I like that they tried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was my thing. Like. Would I recommend this movie? Sure. If you just want to watch a monster movie, go ahead, watch it. You could do a lot worse. You could. Like, the story was lacking a little bit because I wanted to know more about the monster. Just give me two minutes of exposition about why this monster is here. And that's normally where I am with most of these movies. Like, yeah. I want that lore. Y'all know this. But... Like, I really wanted it in this. I did think the Judas's 30 pieces of silver was a bit of a reach. And like, when we were talking about how each of us have dreams. It makes a lot of sense why you guys like this one more than me. And I'm just kind of like, eh, it's fine. The gore is very visceral in your mm -hmm. face, but it's momentary. And there's not too much of it. Like they're no. not leaning super heavily on it. It's like there, it's like a good punch up, but you're not. It's the exclamation the point to the end of the sentence. And you're yeah. just like, Oh shit. Okay. And then like, we're back to this thing, but yeah, it's like come for the monster, stay for the gore, not vice versa. And it is yeah. an hour and 51 minutes. So, I mean, again, I think they could have taken 10 minutes out. I will and say made a stronger flick. It did not really feel like that. It didn't. Yeah. They, it like, did go by quickly as much as much as I've kind of said, eh, this movie's fine. Like it did not feel like a two hour movie at yeah. all. So, yeah. All right. So three recommendations. That's awesome. Listeners, what do you think? Did you guys like the cursed? Did you like the the story concepts? Did you like the gore, the effects, the look of it? Let us know. Hit us up on social media. You know where to find us: Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, we're on TikTok now. The Grave Talk. Oh, the Grave T O K. That is our our TikTok. We have not done any TikTok videos. I was about to say, are you guys doing TikTok dances? You know what? I'm going to do it. 
Are you going to do the monster mash? In a chainmail bikini. If Ooh. I could basically get people to like join me and do a fucking monster mash TikTok, I'd be on it. But All right. All right. we'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. We got a TikTok also. So add us there. There's nothing there yet. But when there is, I guarantee it'll be worth it. Um, it might just me be drunk rambling in a bathtub with a American flag headband and talking about Marvel comics. Who Worth knows? It. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I've <laughs> Who's seen not it. tuning in for it? <laughs> You've seen it. You've been there for it. That's right. Um, I lived it. <laughs> so anyway, hit us up. Uh, we got all that coming. The next episode, Mark and John will be back. We'll have a uh, guest with us and we will be discussing the uh, the film Excision. And I'm not positive uh, if I remember what that one's about, but get that watched. Excision, I believe it is on uh, Shutter. If it's not, you can rent it at Ooh. all the iTunes, Hulu's, all those places. And other than that, we'll see you next time. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye bye.